this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Bomb Podcast. Uh, I'm Amino Hassan. Before we get into today's episode, I just have to share some news with everybody. After we recorded the episode today, we learned of the unfortunate, tragic news of the passing of Michael Brooks. Michael, of course, is one of our hosts on the network. He was a co-host of Woke Bros along with Big Waz. And uh, we received word that he, he passed away today. We don't have a whole lot of detail beyond that, but obviously this was a, a shock to us all. And, uh, you know, our hearts and our prayers go out to his family. We're going through what I can't even imagine. What a tough time they have to go through dealing with this. Michael, of course, was uh, the cornerstone for a kind of our political commentary podcast, Woke Bros., and he had such a passion for the topic. He elevated the discourse of our conversations. He made us smarter every time he was on. And he did it with a, a wit and an intelligence and a way that made it interesting for people, even if you weren't all the way up to date on the happenings in politics. Um, I know Waz is really 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 hurt by this as is michael's entire family and and we're hurting too as well here at count the dings we lost a big part of our network and um nothing can really prepare you for for these things so i say this with all sincerity you know grab your loved ones hug them hold them tell them you love them it's so important. We never know when 
that our day might be our last. So you want to let everyone know that you, you love them and you cherish them. And if you have, you know, any sort of misgivings or, or grudges, let it all go. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. Um, there's no easy transition to take us into the pod. Uh, so I just, again, say rest in power to Michael Brooks. Prayers and love for his family. And, you know, thank you for supporting our podcast and our podcast network. Welcome back to another fun-filled episode of Black Opinions Matter. Today, guys, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. We might have one of the best episodes of all time, right? A little bit later, we're going to be talking to B. We're going to be reviewing the new star show, P-Valley. And after that, we are going to, this is a worldwide exclusive NBA Bubble Life. We're getting them on the pod. We're going to ask them all about how NBA Bubble Life Twitter account started. You heard it here first. It's the first podcast in the world to talk to them. But first, I'm really excited about this guest. I've been excited ever since she said yes when I said, can you come on the pod? It is my friend, my former uh, colleague at ESPN, the one, the only, Carrie Champion. What's up, Carrie? up I mean um i love how you said this is going to be one of the best episodes ever now is that because i'm on it or because you're talking about p valley i don't know what do you tell me it's because of you you're on <laughs> You know, Carrie, it's because of you. Spoiler <laughs> alert, P-Valley, I wasn't that impressed. But we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. <laughs> but, but, but Carrie, obviously, we're always impressed with you. you you've been uh, one of, you know, not to be corny with the puns, but you've been a champion, you know, your, during your whole career, <laughs> you know, putting forth uh, really a trailblazing kind of image out there when you talk about the lack of representation of uh, uh, women of color, particularly black women, on TV as lead hosts, as conversation drivers. Uh, obviously, you got your starting a tennis channel, then moved on to ESPN where you were uh, sports center anchor. You were the the host of uh, First Take, uh, host of Sports Nation. You kind of did it all. Uh, I want to start with kind of the decision of leaving ESPN, you know, we're all kind of, I, I, I don't want to say brainwashed, but definitely the seed is planted in all of our brains at ESPN. Like if you leave, ain't nothing going to happen to you out there. There's nothing out there for you. And so I, I kind of feel like it's, it's meant to kind of discourage people from taking those risks and making those leaps. I wanted to know about your thought process in the days leading up to making that decision, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to leave after this. Oh, oh, I was leaving, like, I've been leaving for two years in my mind. <laughs> so you just don't wake up and be like, hey, I'm out. <laughs> At least I didn't anyway. Um, and I just was tired. I was tired of being marginalized. I was tired of not being, you know, paid my worth. I was tired of not feeling appreciated. I think a lot of people get tired. I just beat everybody to this this newfound tiredness that you hear all the time uh, on social media, with the, especially with black folks. We're tired. We've been tired. So I um, I was tired, and I and I had tried to with re- very little progress 
to to basically, um, you know, express myself, um, state my concerns. You know, uh, you know what happens is, is, is uh, when different regimes come in, different things happen. It happens to everybody. So uh, under one regime, I flourished. On another regime, I was. I felt they may not have felt that way. I felt marginalized, and I felt like I wasn't being able to um, work and express my full talent. And so I was like, I'm out. I ain't got time. Um, but it didn't happen just like that. It really was like a two year process. Like in my mind, I was doing, I was just doing things. I was being very strategic. I, I lined up gigs. Like you know, I was working on the Titan Games, and that paid me well. So I wasn't worried about leaving and not having money. Um, I had saved money. I wasn't worried about any of those things because I think a lot of times people stay not only for the platform, but because obviously you got to pay bills. Like, come on, like that's that's everybody's bread and butter. That's common sense. And in my mind, I was like, if I don't jump, if I don't jump, I'll never know. And then, quite frankly, I always thought I could come back. You know, if that was ever there's ever an opportunity, we've seen it happen over and over again. People always come back. <laughs> it just depends. You never know. I've seen crazier things happen. And um, so I, I, I had to have uh, um, a moment where it was like, this is my non-negotiable. If I'm not allowed to do this, that I'm leaving. And I had talked it over with my agents, you know, and they were like, wait, but hold on, you know, because they want their check. And we did, hold on, hold on. And uh, I was like, no, I'm leaving. I, I was like, I'm leaving, guys. I just, I'm about to enter this freelance world. I was like, um, and I'm doing it the way that I want to do it. And I, I just can't keep waiting and pushing. It's almost like the chick who's waiting for her boyfriend. She'd been dating for like, you know, 30 years to uh -huh. ask her to marry him. I'm like, he ain't going to ask you. Like you gotta go. <laughs> so you gotta figure it out. And that's what I knew. I was like, I can't keep just waiting and asking and waiting and asking and hoping I gotta go. And at the end of the day I did. And it was the best decision I've ever made. Not because I'm able to do so much more, but because I did it and I did it the way in which I wanted to do it and I'm thriving. Like people do it and think they can't thrive. And thriving is subjective. I mean, um, it's like everybody thrives in their own way. You know what I mean? This, but for me, I'm happy. And I wasn't telling good stories. And imagine if the world was how it is now. And I couldn't talk about police brutality comfortably, or I couldn't talk about racism comfortably. I'd be miserable. And I would be like, what am I doing? What is my voice for? What, what, am I not a journalist? Like my job is to point out what's wrong. And if I got to sit there and be silenced or muffled, then what the hell am I doing? Carrie, that, that's interesting in that, I think we have a lot of listeners on this pod that are younger or, uh, you know, or, or not necessarily black. And so when you say marginalization, being marginalized at work, I was wondering if you could bring up like an example to further illustrate to people who may not understand what that means. Well, marginalized for me in the workplace means, hey, I got this great idea. Or, hey, this athlete wants to talk to me um, and says that he'll give me this exclusive interview. Can we go out and do it? And then they'd be like, mm, I don't know about that. Mm -hmm. But yet and still, somebody else could do that exclusive interview. You know what I mean? Right. Or, I mean, I just, I had been, you know, I've been in the game for a minute and I had known a lot of things and it's political. You know, they're, th that type of company, as most corporations, want to grow you according to their pace and they want to, and they want you to flourish according to their pace. So if they, if somebody from, I'm giving an example, GMA wanted me to come and host, I wouldn't know that. 
I would know after the fact that oh. somebody from you know the company said, "Hey, she's not ready yet." What? You know that kind of thing. So, yeah, those kind of things happen all the time. But that's just the nature of working for a big corporation that has a lot of power. And so you have to decide what you want to do. And and listen, what's meant for me is meant for me. You can never be mad, in my opinion, if someone tries to block a blessing or block an opportunity. Because whatever you're supposed to have will come around. Like, I do believe that wholeheartedly. I don't believe that people are just living in the world and, and they just stumble upon these opportunities. These opportunities are waiting for you. I really think that's uh, valid advice, especially uh, I'm, I'm in a similar situation where uh, I consider leaving teaching right now, um, but I also work in media. So um, obviously, you know, when, when people have to pay bills and stuff like that and take a leap of faith and, you know, your story alone, obviously there's no compare and contrast. Everyone's story is different, but just to hear, you know, how how you, you took your steps to, to pretty much get all these now, you know, like we see you everywhere and, but you could have been doing that, you know what I mean? But if you never really took that leap of faith, then that doesn't happen. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, especially, especially you taking that, 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 that was really inspiring. So I wanted to let you know. Yeah, no, I thank you. I appreciate that. I encourage anybody, but you gotta be, like I just said a minute ago, I didn't just was like, I'm out. Everybody's in an entanglement with their employer, right? Everybody's (laughs) entangled. (laughs) And everybody wants to do something different and they feel compromised and they feel like they want to change things. Like I get all of that. Like you don't have to explain that to me. Everybody has had that situation, but you got to weigh the pros and cons and then you got to be smart about it. You got to have a plan. Um, I had been speaking to people at other networks on the low that I could trust because I developed rapports with them. Right. So like I had to trust whomever I was saying, these are my thoughts. What do you think? Like, I had to be very intentional about where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do and make sure that I wasn't burning any bridges in the process. So all I say is that, yes, please. I wasn't. And some people can do it differently. Like, you know, I hear people all the time say, they, you know, my way isn't everybody's way. I just did it in a way where I felt comfortable. And then I also had to check my ego. Like, am I okay with not being on TV every day? Yeah, no, I'm good with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's yeah. a lot of people don't that's all they want you know they want to be famous especially this generation everybody just wants to be known and and famous and so they can't walk away from not being on tv every single day because that's what they think it is but if you're on tv every day and you ain't saying shit then what's the point preach preach well well, speaking of this is a great transition to one of the shows that you're going to be doing that was announced uh disruptors with carrie champion and jamel hill which is coming to vice uh, this is an opportunity for you guys to talk about the things that, you know, weren't necessarily having a whole uh, great platform to do while at the company. Um, I was doing some reading right before we were recording, and I discovered something, Carrie, that I never knew. I knew you and Jamel were good friends the whole time. I didn't know y'all met at ESPN. I thought you guys had just known each other through the years. No, we met at ESPN because she was supposed to, quote unquote, get the, the first take gig, you know, and then I got it. And then people were like, I hate Carrie, <laughs> you know, social media, you know, those aggressive ass followers, on, you know, on, on first take. They were like, I hate her, Jamel. She she robbed you of your opportunity, blah, 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 blah. But you know how Jay rolls. Like, Jay was like, no, that's my dog. I fuck with her heavy. And and so I ended up getting a gig, but Jamel went out of her way to make sure that I was embraced by the culture and the community and that she and she, there was no 
competitiveness between us. And you know, look, I mean, you know that's rare at that place, right? right? Yes. And so she, she had my she had my back. Like and then from that moment on I was like, damn, like I had I had her all wrong. I thought she might be like, you know, the average person being like there can only be one. You know, she knew she wasn't gonna have my back. It was I was so wrong. I was so wrong about her. And I felt really bad about it because she really she nurtured me in a lot of ways and really had my back in some pivotal moments while I, I was on that desk at first take and at um when I was on Sports Center. So we ended up being really, really good friends. And so in November, this I'll tell you guys the story. In November, then like I, I announced I was leaving in like January, but in November or maybe even August of that previous summer, I wrote up at Jamel's house with a camera crew and I was like, We've got to shoot a pilot. And she was like, Okay. <laughs> and so I wrote up at her house and we shot a pilot and obviously that's not the name of the show now, but the idea was two women talking sports, culture, politics, um, in a very free environment, doing what we want to do, the intersection of all of that, entertainment, everything. And we went there. We talked about stuff that people wouldn't dare say on TV. And now they will, but we went there. And then I um, had my, my dude chop it up and we were like casually just doing stuff on Instagram too, just doing this thing where we would just go and do essentially what we did in the pilot and we got a call one day and like three weeks later we had a deal. Oh man. That's what's up. That's what I was. One of my questions I wrote down was how hard did y'all shop this? Because obviously now what we're seeing throughout entertainment is that there's a thirst for black content, right? As if none of this, mm-hmm. none of this existed a couple of months ago, but now all of a sudden there's a thirst for it. So um, I, I wasn't sure when the process started for you guys as far as pitching that concept. We were, look, this is crazy. That's why I said it's meant to be. We didn't even really pitch it. We had a couple of meetings. We had a friend who was like, oh, my homeboy might want it. We wanted it for digital. We were like, let's maybe make it a podcast or right. let's let it live at Quibi. We weren't even, we were thinking too small, right? Mm-hmm. And then so, and then one day my homegirl called us, one of my mentors, and she she does this thing where she deals with a lot of talent. Okay. She does, but she, she brokers deals for a lot of talent. She's not my, she's not my agent. She's like a mentor to me. Mm-hmm. And she called us and she was like, listen, one of my friends is interested in working with you. Um, tell me if you're interested in talking to her. And I was like, okay. And so we talked to her on the phone and this was in March guys. You just, we just said now this is before George Floyd. Right. This was before any of that. And we talked to her on the phone and we obviously we went back and forth when our agents got involved because everybody wants their own money. Um, <laughs> and then at the end of the day, the deal was done. Like, you know, you know, you know, got it and everything and signed probably like, like just before the George Floyd incident. And it was just, it was all perfect timing, but it didn't take long. My point is for anybody who is listening, my point is this, go for that idea. You ain't got to quit your job full time. You ain't got to, you know, go and starve to hustle, but you have to get creative and you have to figure out ways in which you want to shine. Like you have an idea, me, you have an idea. Everybody on the line got an idea of what they want to do, do it. And you don't necessarily have to leave your bread and butter but do it and know that you make a plan. Like I'm big on plans. They don't always work out the way you want to. Like, cause like I told you, we wanted a digital show. We was like, we're going to be this, put this, like maybe a podcast. It'll be fun. And they're like, no, we're going to take it to TV. We're like, Oh, okay. That sounds even better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Correct me if I'm wrong. You guys never were on air at the same time on the same show at ESPN, right? Yeah, we were, we did. Well, 
I would go on his and hers. She would come on first take, and I would interview her all the time on SportsCenter, but we never had a show together. Right. But we did a lot of stuff together. I was always on her podcast. Oh, that's that's right. where it came. Okay. I just remember the the, so bo- the boys in the hood. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, we did. Yes, we did a ton of stuff together. And people would always be like, oh, y'all need a show together. Y'all need a show together. And it just, we just kind of knew it would happen. We just didn't know in what capacity. Right. You know, and Jamel, you know, hadn't been on TV in a minute. So she was like, I wasn't coming back to TV unless there was something that I really wanted to do and that I thought would be great. And so that was, that was her intro back into TV. And I was like, this is great. And then, you know, obviously I have that show that premieres tonight on, uh, on Turner, right. which is great. And I'm excited about that too. Well, and that's, that's, that was my next question. The arena, which pre- premieres on TNT tonight. Uh, there's a lot of questions I have, but I'm going to start with this one. How in the hell okay. did y'all get Draymond and Charles <laughs> to be going. on the same I... show? <laughs> Listen, you got to tune in tonight for that because you know we're going there. And you got to tune in tonight for that. You're not going to pull punches. You're going to ask all the uncomfortable questions, right? Of course. Like, I'm going to sit there and put them next to each other and then not say anything. They're going to be sitting next to each other and no one says anything. Let's not. Come on, like, come on. You know, first of all, neither one of them will let it ride. <laughs> That's the first thing. <laughs> neither one of them gonna let it ride. They want, they'll want to address it. So yeah, y'all gotta. It's gonna be fun. Y'all gotta tune in. We, we. But the the point of the show obviously isn't about that, but we right. will address that right off the top. So you gotta tune in. So don't miss it. The second thing is, is that I I like to call it. If you ever watch a comparable show, like like real sports. Mm-hmm. With Brian Gumble, that's a good comparison. How they have all those great docs, mm-hmm. and they come out and they talk about them, and they just sit through them and, and ask these great questions. The difference is, is that this whole show is on, you know, social justice, um, what athletes are doing, with politics, what's happening with voter suppression. Um, obviously, we have a piece with John Lewis. Uh, Kareem mm-hmm. Abdul-Jabbar did an essay. We have a lot of people doing a lot of essays. Jamel Hill wrote an essay, a really great essay about. You know, can we keep the same energy once the season starts? Will people get distracted when the NBA comes back or even when football comes back? We have um, Killer Mike did some great things. Like, it's 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 a really, really, and I've seen these pieces. They're powerful. Like, this is the stuff that you, like, see, this makes sense. I'm learning something, and I'm locked in, and I'm focused. Like, the stuff is really, really powerful. Let me, let me ask a tough question here then because, you know, like I said, right now there's an appetite for this kind of content, but how can, how can we make sure that shows like this are not like a limited run series that just happen right now? And a year from now when COVID is over and maybe people aren't protesting uh, still on the streets that it, that the, this kind of programming doesn't go away. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. The show, like this show needs to have a life. And that's a, that is a tough question. Like you have to keep people interested, just like we have to keep reminding people that Breonna Taylor's killers are still out there. Yes, like you can't ever, you can't let up. And the reason why you can't let up is because that's how you win the fight. That's how you win the battle, if you will, of social justice. And I'm, and people may get apathy eventually and not care as much or it may not be interesting, but there's always an untold story. There's always um, a black life that matters that has been taken and no one knows anything about it. We're like, you may get, it may feel like a lot, but there's so much going on in this country that we're not even aware of, especially with, with 
with the elections coming up, voter suppression is a real thing. Like they really don't want to, they are already making efforts to make sure these marginalized communities, their vote doesn't matter. They're closing down the polls when people get in line before it's time to close. You saw what happened in Louisville. Like, come on, that was crazy. I see in the primaries in Georgia, there was a woman sitting holding her baby and she's in the rain and she's online. She's been in line for hours. She's like, I'm not going home because that's what they want. So there will always be something to talk about. It's up to us, the public, the people, the culture, to really continue to have an appetite for it and keep it at the forefront of everybody's mind. How did it come about? Whose concept was it? You know, how, how did your involvement start there? First of all, I need to ask, are your other colleagues ever going to ask questions? So you, don't want, uh, you know what? That's, like what, to talk that's to what that nah. pause was for, Carrie. I was looking at them like, y'all got anything? Yeah, like, I know. <laughs> I saw you pausing, trying to let them jump in, and they just like, go quiet. Like, oh, no, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just soaking it up right now. I'm being a student of the game. But, you know, Amin's <laughs> doing, doing a great job right now. Um, so y'all just let, let Amin have all the shine? Well, no, 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 because because I got P-Valley, <laughs> and we kind of pivot. Um <laughs> So, you know, I chimed in. Hey, I I gave my little my little two cents. You know, well, I'm, I'm I'm just listening right now because you barring us up, and, and definitely we support you too. So, oh, I, I'm teasing y'all. I'm like, dang, me hogging the mic. No, I'm kidding. Um, what was you wait? What did you ask me? I mean, I forgot. What'd you say? How the show concept come about, and how did your involvement happen? Well, the show was already. I think the thing about. Um, I've noticed about, and you guys know the difference, like in TNT, they've been, you know, they're always go there. Like they never not. Mm -hmm. Y'all watch Inside NBA, they go there. And I think they've been trying to develop other franchise shows. You know, they have that new, the new show on Tuesday nights. And I think they had been thinking, how do we just introduce sports, you know, especially basketball and not talk about everything that has happened since March. Right. So you can't just like, Hey, welcome back games. And so I think there's been so much, especially with so much player involvement, they wanted to find a way to talk about all of those things because there's been so much going on. And I don't know the, the background on how they actually came up with that concept, but I know it had been in the works for a while. And I was working or almost working on another project with them. And then they had to call my agent one day. This is really, and was like, hey, so we want her to do this. And I was like, yeah, of course. Like, this is great. I had already been working on something else. Um, and we, like I said, back to earlier when I was telling you guys, I was, I had already been forging relationships where I wanted to work and, and, and being very vocal about what I wanted to do and what it looked like. It never hurts to network and be, and be cool with people. And that was my lesson. And to always stay very very, um, not necessarily persistent in a way where you're bothering them, but very, um, available and present. So if you see somebody, you're at these sporting events or wherever it is, whatever network, whatever world you work in, whatever world that is, you see the people that you want to work with, or you want to work with them in some capacity, keep your message consistent, be very clear about who you are, you know, and it's not like I was, I was doing this when I was, you know, wasn't at ESP and I was very clear. I'd never not been clear about what I wanted to do and how I wanted it to look. Now, you know, people ain't going to say, yes, we have this show coming out and we want you to host it right away because you can't do that because, you know, it's just not how business works. You just don't put everything out there. You, you, you know, you keep everything close to the vest. But I, my thing is I always was very consistent with my message about what I ultimately wanted to do and what I felt were my strengths. And that's all I've ever wanted to do is work in an arena 
no pun intended, where oh. I felt like I could ask, well, I could ask questions. I could talk about interesting stories. I could do something for the culture. I could really, really go back to storytelling because that's all I ever really truly wanted to do. And there was a time, even when I was on Sports Center, we we were very big on storytelling. It wasn't just one or two questions and you're gone. It was like really deep features. And I remember just being excited about all of the stuff that we did. But times change. And so I had to uh, readjust. You know, that's the nature of the game. You got to just readjust. Gary, one of the big stories that came out this last week was the sexual harassment allegations with the Washington NFL team. Uh, a lot of it was really shocking, shocking, not just because of what these women had to go through, but so much of it was out in the open. And, uh, you know, in particular for me, the one of the hardest parts was uh, the story of Rihanna Walker, who's uh, the she covers Washington for the athletics she used to work with us over at ESPN for the undefeated and her telling the story about Alex Santos, who was a, a team exec coming on to her very heavy in a public environment with other people present and then, uh, you know, physically accosting her. And then, uh, you know, she in turn, she wrote a column of following up the Washington post article where she talked about her father was going into the hospital and that's when the story broke. And Rihanna's talking about finding out about the, you know, or having to watch her father read that article and, and learn about the things that happened to her. And, you know, in general, I, I think obviously we always need to listen to women on everything, but this is a topic that we definitely need to listen to women. Not enough women get a voice or get an opportunity to talk about. So I just wanted to, from your perspective, the pervasiveness of sexual harassment in our industry in particular? You know, I noticed, it's interesting too, um, sexual harassment is about power. And so nine times out of 10, it's rare to hear someone who is powerless harassing someone else. So it's rare. So it's about whether or not I can say something or will there be repercussions? Will I lose my job? Will I get in trouble? Will there be retaliation? Um, and I, I noticed when I first started working in the game, and this is a true story for so many women, when you don't have, when you don't have any power, when you don't have any power, they let you know that you don't and they harass you. And they let you know that you don't matter. And I've also noticed in so many ways that these women sit here and they have to take it. Now, what I also noticed when you've established who you are and you have been in the game long enough, they don't really harass you in a way that makes you uncomfortable anymore. But I do like to call it they do try you. Does that make sense? Like mm, they do yes. see if they can get away with certain things. Like they always want to play the game. And again, it's always the men who have the power. When I read that story, I wasn't surprised. Um, and it doesn't happen often to me, but when I first got in the game, it happened a lot. And it was, a, it, it, and you, and, and women have been socialized to smile and laugh and, and be polite instead of being like, leave me the fuck alone, you know, which we should be saying. We should be like, leave me the fuck alone. But we're laughing and we're joking and we're trying to pretend like, you know, nothing is wrong, but everything is wrong, you know, and and, and we and we feel so 
like ashamed if we speak up. And so I want us to feel empowered. So I was happy that she said it. It sucks that she had to go through that. But once we realize that it's a, it's really all about power, we can start holding men accountable with the power. I'm trying to throw an alley-oop yeah, to these guys. To I'm literally doing the alley-oop logo like a symbol. But I had a question. And I'm looking at it, and they're just staring I, at me. All right, so, 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 Kari. This has to be my... Wait. So this is going to be my last question, though, because I got to go and get ready for work, guys. Is that okay? Or yeah, that's, that's okay? fine. That's fine. That it works out okay. perfect. All right. So perfect. my last question okay. was uh, talking about rolling with the champion and, and, and pretty much how you, uh, you know, in that in that segment, it got so much like pushback after after the, the clip rolled out. What was what was happening during that time uh, after, you know, people responded to, you know, Kevin and uh, LeBron's uh, response? I think I think that really empowered LeBron in, in a huge way. I remember when we were in in um, Cleveland filming it, of Chicago, in Cleveland filming it, and I was thinking this is about to be an historical moment because you know how people when you talk to them they just say so many powerful things, and because of who they were. I knew that this was going to be something. I knew that this was going to really, really make people feel some type of way. I also felt like I, Uber and ESPN would have been excited and had our backs about it. But again, you know, I like to call it corporate, corporate social justice. People, big corporations don't like to get in the mix, right? So when it all came out and LeBron was, it was everywhere. LeBron really held on to more than an athlete and moved and it was a movement and he was very powerful. And I was so happy for him because he knew that this was a time and a moment and hence more than an athlete came out with the, um, I mean, excuse me, shut up and dribble came out with their doc. They were already shooting that, but they decided to take that woman's words and make it more, you know, make it very powerful. Use the same words that she used. Um, and the whole stick to sports thing became a part of our, our dialogue in urban culture. And I felt very, very honored to be a part of that because that's history in the making, folks. You know how they talk about the Cleveland Summit when yeah. they talk about Jim Brown and yeah. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Muhammad yeah. Ali? Like, this is going to be our version of the Cleveland Summit based on what these athletes are doing now in terms of, for our generation, in terms of how they're talking about things. Very powerful. Carrie, real quick, last one. Did you drive around in circles? Did they have you take a route? Yeah. Like, how did? You're <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Everyone's like, you weren't driving, and, and first of all, it was snowing. I mean, it was snowing, and I was like, yo, I got the whole NBA in the back seat. I'm driving. I'm driving two miles Don't per mess hour. Up. I was like, Don't fuck I, up. <laughs> no pressure. And I drive. Anybody who knows me knows I got a lead foot, so I was driving really slow. Oh, and then we had all these cameras like attached to the car we had cameras in the car in front of us and cameras in the car behind us and we would have to stop every so often to dust off the snow um and make sure the visuals were clear it was crazy but it was we were we were safe like we we did a loop we did a nice little loop that they had mapped out the streets were pretty dead too so that was even better there was like nobody around it was almost like they shut down all of cleveland but it was perfect that's just Cleveland. That's how Cleveland is. <laughs> Ain't nobody there no more. Yeah. You're like, Carrie, there's no one there at all. Carrie <laughs> <laughs> Champion, um, the arena premieres tonight on TNT. Definitely check it out. It's going to be it's going to be on every day this week and then weekly after that, right? 
Yes. Thank you so much, Amin, for having me. You guys are a lot of fun. Don't let Amin take all the the, the uh, TV time slash podcast Oh, no, I, I'm, time, always, I'm always talking, you know, uh, okay. so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Thank okay. you, Carrie. Hey, Rob. Yo, what up? Yeah, I've noticed, man, lately you walking around, I see when we you log in for the show, you get all clean shaven all the time. You used to look raggedy. Now, all of a sudden, all the time, you are on point. What's going on, man? Well, you put me on to something. I mean, uh, it's pretty dope. But I, I couldn't do it without you, though. I mean, you put me on to some dope products. Oh, oh, was this the was this the Harry's hookup I threw you? Yes, bro. It's a lifesaver. Oh man, I, like I knew, you know, guy. You guys know. You see me on Instagram and and on hoop streams and all these other videos. I haven't shaved since the beginning of the pandemic. I look terrible, but my friend Rob Lopez. He looks great because he followed my advice and went with Harry's. And it's not just that Harry's is great product. The best thing about Harry's, it saves you money. Oh my God, how much money you ask. In one year by switching to Harry's, you could pay for your Netflix subscription for six months. That's basically six months of free Netflix by virtue of you saving money by switching to Harry's. You have enough money to buy 26 cups of coffee in New York City, enough for three deep dish pizza dinners in Chicago, and this is all through the magic of Harry's low, low cost, but high quality razors. How do they do it? They deliver these razor blades for as low as $2 each, a fraction of the price of the leading brand, and saving you hundreds of dollars over time. Uh, Rob, what, what do you like most of all about Harry's? Uh, Harry's got the, they have the best razors in the business, bro. It's not even close to how good and how, and how clean it is to shave up my face and get everything all clean for the day. It's not even, you don't even feel it half the time. Yeah. And remember, like they don't just make the razor, they make a shave gel, they make a body wash. There's a full complement of Harry's products for your grooming needs. And right now you can get a Harry's trial set delivered to your doorstep by going to harrys.com slash B-O-M. Like I said, quality, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. The blades are made in a German factory that's been honing precision blades for over a century. That's right. It's super convenient. They send you refills directly to your door on schedule with or without a subscription. And like I said, it's not just the razors. You get hair care. You get shower products. It's all on harrys.com. Right? And like the blades, they're committed to providing premium products without breaking the bank. And and by the way, if you want to feel a little bit better about yourself, guess what? 1% of proceeds are set aside for nonprofit organizations devoted to helping provide access to better mental health care for the veterans. So remember, like, you're not just helping yourself and helping your wallet, you're helping other people. Harris is also donating $1 million worth of shaving supplies to hospitals across the U.S. So be a good person. Be a smart person. Get Harry's. Here's how. You can redeem your Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash B-O-M. You'll get the weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip. You'll get the five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade on the backside, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Remember, harrys.com slash B-O-M. H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com slash B-O-M. Start shaving and saving today. Once again, thanks a lot to Carrie Champion for joining us. Disruptors with Carrie Champion and Jamel Hill is on Vice and obviously the arena 
It started last night by the time you guys listen to this, but it'll be on for the rest of the week, the arena on TNT. Uh, we got a new show. We told you guys, we tweeted about this. Start looking forward to us reviewing this show. It's called P-Valley. It's on stars. And as a result, because we're reviewing a show, we bring back everyone's favorite show reviewer. It's Bethany. What's up, B? Hi. What's up, y'all? I'm so happy to be back. Oh, man. We missed you. Honestly, yeah, like, it just wasn't the same. It wasn't the same without you. Before we get started on talking about P-Valley and, and Trey, you, you take it from there. I just had two things I want to point out. One, remember, coming up right after B, we're going to have at NBA Bubble Life, the Twitter account that everyone fell in love with that's been documenting all the players doing their shenanigans in the bubble. The actual creators are going to be on the show with us today. They're going to reveal their identity. They're going to tell us how the story came about. Uh, so you don't want to miss that at all. Uh, but B, before we talk about P-Valley, I'm going to throw this one to you first. You didn't do the show with us last week when a certain topic was ruling the nation. The word <laughs> entanglement. And so I wanted to give you the opportunity to just let the AK spray all oh your thoughts God. on entanglement. Look, entanglements are that bullshit I want no parts of entanglements because it sounds like terrible communication, hurt feelings. It's 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 not it's not ideal for for me. I'm a very private person, so the way I handle myself and carry myself an entanglement, no, out of the picture. Like, <laughs> Will Will didn't look that hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, <laughs> he looked he looked like he was crying in the car. He looked like, how come she don't want me, Uncle Phil? That's what, <laughs> that's what he looked like. That's Yo, exactly what he looked like. were crazy. And I'm oh, sure, man. like, he still is feeling it. We got to feel it worse after all those memes, right? You think, like, people would see it and feel sorry for you. Instead, the internet got jokes. And, and Trey, what do we always say about jokes? Jokes over facts. Jokes greater than facts. Jokes over facts. Jokes over facts. <laughs> well, the facts are... We are talking about P-Valley. As I said, it's a new show. It's on Stars. The first two episodes have dropped. You can catch it every Sunday if you watch it on TV, Saturday if you watch it on the app. Uh, Trey, take us away. Welcome back to the black version of the TV book club. Uh, and the new <laughs> show that Amin had kind of tossed in the chat was Sam P-Valley. I've never seen a trailer for this. Never heard of it in my life. I didn't even have Stars, so I had to add Stars. It's been a minute since I had Star. I canceled Stars after Power. So after Power, yeah. So I had to go on and, and re up and get this sub. But uh, pretty much, P Valley takes place in Mississippi. Um, the main location is the Pink. <laughs> it's a popular strip club in Mississippi, um, and it's ran by uh, Uncle Clifford. Now, I don't really know how to describe Uncle Clifford. Um, I would say gender fluid. Okay, there you, there you go. go. <laughs> you know, so Uncle Clifford, who's very gender fluid, uh, really cares about his dancers, but he's running a janky operation. Now, I think we've discussed in the chat that this is kind of like Players Club meets, um, what's the shit? Whoop that trick. Hustle, Hustle and Flow. <laughs> and <laughs> just had a baby. And gave and, and somebody launched a pilot, you know what I mean? But uh, so far, you know, with the start of this show, you get this this random girl who's like on the run, very pretty. Um, 
and she goes by Autumn Night. But her intro, she shows up dressed up like she's on an interview, like a real interview at a strip club. But I think the best part was was the bouncer. He, um, how he's just disrespecting people reminds me of Las Vegas so much, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> like just trying to get in a spot. And I was interested because it had twenty dollars for dudes and thirty dollars for women. It's like that. Where they do that at? It's like that. It's like see, that. Oh, I see. I don't know. Please tap in. Please tap in. I'm from the south. Strip club culture is is a it's a thing. It's the thing. It's the place to be. Um, a lot of clubs, strip clubs charge more for women because in a way we're kind of like a liability in a way. Okay. So we kind of have to pay to be in that space where it's mostly men patrons. Um, they don't think that women are going to spend as much money as men. So they're going to get it at the door. Yeah. Also there, I mean, a lot of women come in, they're kind of low key jealous they may start some trouble. So sometimes you would rather just have the guys in there instead of the women because you just never know what may pop off. Do you want so, to from? You know, I'm from North Carolina. North Cadillac. Oh. Yeah. Tar Hill Country. Say that again? Tar Hill, Tar Hill Country. Country or, uh, or Absolutely. Or yeah, no, she, I am a Tar Hill. She's definitely a Tar Hill. Right. Right. I was right. born in Chapel Hill. Bullshit. My nigga, if you, on, if you go look at her story, she got Vince Carter, nigga, niggas in there too. I was surprised <laughs> she put uh, Shaman Williams up there and shit. Um, <laughs> but Mercedes oh. is the goat, right? She the legend. She got the going away tour, the last she dance with the last strip, literally. Um, <laughs> I love the la- the last dance. The last <laughs> dance. Yo, that was perfect. So she's like in her year seventeen, of stripping, and she, you know, she's been an OG in the game. She knows all the rules. <laughs> Don't cry at the paint, all this other stuff, kind of showing the rookies the ins and odds and and really making the money to keep that, that club open. But now we have Autumn Knight, who, as they dubbed her, Beyonce's cousin. She looked good enough to be Beyonce's cousin in the blue dress, uh, finally stripping. And it reminds me of Diamond on Players Club. Light bright, yep. got the sex appeal. I don't yep. know what they're trying to do yep. with the whole black brown, the black light thing, but... They saw a bunch of beautiful women, a lot of TNA in the show. Um, the white don't girl, don't, the white girl, kids. don't never say nothing in there. Young Gidget, but uh, I'm glad she doesn't. <laughs> but I'm you know, she, she tapped in. Um, but yeah, Jerv, what was your thoughts on it? So when I first watched it, um, I was like, "Oh, this is like kind of terrible, mm-hmm. right?" Like at first, <laughs> I was like, I'm, "I'm cool," like you know, what I mean, you know me, I'm cool. Um, the writing wasn't, you know wasn't as spectacular as I'm used to with shows, but after probably like the first 20 minutes, yo, bro, I'm locked in. I fooled this show. It's got literally everything I personally need for a show. <laughs> okay, so what what do you personally need no, for the on. show? Weed didn't have... Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it's it's got a culture that... I mean, because I went, I mean, I went to school in kind of, sort of the South, Nah, Hampton so, is in the South, I, bro. That's not nah, like but if you, when you're down there in Virginia, like they don't people in the South don't look at Virginia as the South. I'm telling you, like it's the fake South. Like, but the whole strip club culture was very much the same down there or whatever. So I, you know, I found it humorous, like when he had the, when when they had the interaction with uh, what was it, the mayor or whatever the hell they really called yeah. him, but I guess he's the mayor of whatever the town is, and hey, they had the beef over, you know, why can't we have liquor? in the damn strip club. And it's like, well, if you 
one had liquor and shrimp, but you got something to keep the clothes on. It was like that in Hampton. I'd never heard of that in my life because I started going to strip clubs in uh, in Atlanta. So, you know, Atlanta is very anything goes. So I just thought that's how strip clubs are everywhere. And then it wasn't until I think I came, uh, it wasn't until I left Atlanta where I started finding these places where they got to keep this on if they, you want to serve liquor. And I'm just like, what's the point of that? Yeah, like that's how Hampton was. They had to keep their, they had to keep their, clothes on to a degree they yeah. couldn't really take anything off and if they, they, they we were allowed to have beer but like not like real liquor it was just beer and shit weird weird yeah super yeah. weird but I mean, it's a dope show <laughs> be I, I was gonna ask you like in north Car- is it like that in north carolina or you know or what oh no i mean certain places like maybe if it's an 18 and up spot um, you can't show nipples or you can't take your bottoms off. So the girls will wear pasties. Um, they try to get it to, as close to nude as possible. But um, yeah, I know some places in New York, they're like that. If you want to serve liquor, then you have to cover up. Yeah. And I mean, you're going to get your sales from, you know, from the liquor sales, from the bar, from people buying bottles. And if you think about it, like, the girls, they're wearing super revealing outfits and they're just twerking and posting on Instagram and all that. The guys, they just want that cool, chill environment. So some people really aren't tripping on the fact that they aren't fully naked. And before I, that's COVID, just that's just me, because I'm not sure. Like, do you guys like when you go to the strip club? Is that a must? Like if they're not taking anything off, are you just like, ah, let's go to another spot? I don't like strip clubs. Uh, it just gives me like a, and like shouts to the women earning. No disrespect, but I've actually paid strippers to leave me alone. Um, I don't the sweat. Oh, wait, hold on. Matt. You the you the lawyer? Trace tra- tra- the lawyer. The yeah, show. I'm, I'm not. What's I'm, his I'm name? the homie. I really ain't even trying to crack like that. I, like, I want you to sit down on the couch. I literally sit down had over there, like though. deep ass conversations with strippers sometimes when I went out with the homies because like I'll be sitting there like in the club, I'm really like, yo, why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> yo, <laughs> one of those. Hey, I'm literally in the cut, bro. Like, yo, I don't want to drink, but I just really want to know. Like, and after we talk, I just put like 30, 30, 30, $31 bills in the little G street, like here. Hey man. Trey. So Trey, were you res- was the dude, the main male character, or whatever, was that resonating with you? You were like, I feel the same way. Nah, man, it wasn't man, that because I've guy. never, I've never went full T pain and fell in love with a stripper. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just always be sympathetic because I'm always kind of like, trying to think why are you doing it some people really are just nice as fuck at it like you know i that's why i was like look i never try to shame strippers because they can climb all the way up to the top and i done been to magic city i done been strokers i've been all the, the places where you need to be and you know i done made it precipitate in there and, and uh damn near drown some <laughs> strippers so my whole thing is is uh you know, again, I just, I mean, I, maybe I do relate to that character, but I wouldn't try no wife. And I think he got a different agenda. But, I mean, I wanted to know your opinion on Lil' Murder. Mm. What was your opinion on Lil' Murder? Because <laughs> uh, I, I feel this. like this, I feel like the theme, of the, the theme of the show is do whatever it takes. And that's for everybody. Oh, he's definitely taking that to the next level. Because he wants <laughs> to be a rapper so bad. What, what, what was the genre that he said he was doing? Uh, reggae trap music. <laughs> <laughs> reggae trap music. And as soon as he said that, I was like, he's about to be trash. Oh, <laughs> when Mercedes wouldn't dance to it, nigga, she got that nigga to look like. 
I can't bump to this shit. I'm not about to lose. By the way, my way they, one of the slang that they were using, using was slodging. Now, now you're, you're the closest thing, thing to someone from the shop that we got, got here, B. Have, have you ever heard, heard of the slang, slang slodging? What does slodging mean? No, I thought they were saying it was slog. No, nah, they say slodging. They say slodging. Slodging. Hold on, I'm about to okay, look so on Urban. De- I, I'm about to find out what it is on Urban Dictionary. Here we go. So can I can I just say this? Being from the South, I was very disappointed in the writing because I don't know anyone from the South who talks like this. Yes, thank you. It bothered thank me so bad. Like if like imagine the wire without people from Baltimore with the authentic accents from that region, like it, it just came off a little bit lazy to me to have like, do you guys have a dialect coach? Like even even the people who I know are from the South that's on the show, just the way that I guess they're reading from the script, it just doesn't flow. Like I'm I'm the type of person like do what it takes to make it feel authentic. Like, yes. you know what? Let's let's rewrite this so that it sounds real. Cause it just does yeah. not sound real to me. It sound, I'm waiting on somebody to break out singing. That's what I feel like. This shit about to turn into it's some like empire some shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like eventually somebody about to be like, oh, I can't strip no more. <laughs> I'm not a whore. <laughs> Pretty good. Yo, uh, it's no. It's funny because while I was watching, I was thinking the same thing, B, and I was trying to think, is it just me? And I'm like, it's because we're coming from uh, insecure which is a show that is excellent at getting the authenticity of how people speak to one another, right? Yes. Not only what they say, but how they say it and how they don't wait for each other to stop talking. Okay. Now I talk. Now you talk. They don't do that, right? They cut each other off. It feels way more natural. And this show, now a lot of it, I I did some research. Uh, the, the, The lady that plays Mercedes, most of her experiences, she's a choreographer. Like and like, you know, she's been like a background actor, but like this is her first time, from what I can tell from IMDb, having a lot of lines and having to, you know, basically uh, be a whole, carry a show. Uh, the girl carry that plays, show, okay. yeah, the, the girl that plays Autumn Knight, she's actually British, so she, you know she's been on Harry Potter movies and and stuff like that. So she's kind of fighting a two part battle in that. Not only are you not from the south, but you're not even from this country. So you got to clean up a whole other accent while trying to learn uh, that one. So I like I, I kind of feel some of it is maybe the actors are just a little too green for these roles. Some of it is the writing. It, like you said, it just doesn't feel like they did a whole lot of homework on it. I'm I'm like Jerv. Jerv, it took you 20 minutes. It took me an episode. Episode one, I was like, I don't know how much. It took I me an episode. Episode Same. two, I was like, okay, now they're starting to build a story here about the casino and all that. And I'm like, okay, I'm a little bit more intrigued now. I mean, yeah. I, I I just thought that, uh, I mean, I guess because Players Club and Hustle and Flow are just my shit. Like, I, I, I genuinely But you don't like life. I, you a sick nigga. Nah, hmm. dog. I wish I could get that hour, that hour and 48 minutes back out of my life. Wait, life with Eddie Murphy yes. and... Yes, this nut-ass nigga. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I'll be whatever yeah, I yeah, got. Yeah. That movie is over. Look fucking at her reaction. Martin wasn't. Are you that serious? Good. Martin wasn't that good. Eddie was. Eddie was Eddie. But you could tell this. Here you go. This. This was Eddie's. This was Eddie getting that last deal. Wow. 
If he was an athlete, this would have been him getting his goodbye check. Jerv, you are so I did, I did my Jerv, you are so lucky that we had Kerry Champion on this pod and that we're gonna have NBA Bubble Life later because this absolutely would have been the clip this week. If it wasn't for we were just over flooded with big news and and all that. Yeah. This absolutely would be the clip. Because I you know what? Yeah. I might clip it myself. Don't worry, I'll keep that same energy. <laughs> I'm, I'm always you gonna gain followers life. from negative shit every time, <laughs> just for your nasty ass takes. Overrated, dog. Overrated. That's crazy. I can't. But nigga, can't. but a nigga vouching he's, for he's hustle and flow. Come on, oh, man. Listen, DJ, I, man. It was. It was. It, I mean, for what it was, it's a. It's an okay <laughs> movie. Like it's. It's what it is. Life, y'all made me think life was. Oh, you got to see this movie. It's blah blah blah. blah. But it's like, man. All right, I watched it. Hold on. I'm from New York City or are there consequences and repercussions that didn't make you laugh? You gonna eat that cornbread? <laughs> that whole scene? In, in my defense, Say, I've, watch heard, again. I've heard all these lines for X amount of years, right? So them shits are fucking... What? Oh, my fault. Trey, say it again. Maybe I'll laugh this time. Go ahead. Go no. Ahead. No. <laughs> you don't get that back. No, nigga. No. Yo, I will self-clip this thing. It'll, it's gonna look janky as hell, but I, I need the internet to roast the fuck out of Jerv for this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had some questions for you guys uh, because at one point Mercedes' mom, who is reminds me of the I don't know if any of y'all watched True Blood. Do y'all remember True Blood? Do you remember? Do you remember the black mom on True Blood? How she was kind of like loose and whatever. And then she found the Lord, and then she tried to like judge her daughter on her lifestyle, or whatever. It was very reminiscent of that. Like just. You know, you going to hell and Lord save this hoe, which is I laughed. <laughs> she said, save this hoe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Mercedes at one point yells back at her mom that stripping is an art. And so I won't lie, I went like, mm, is it? And so I wanna present to the panel. We'll start with B and then we'll go Trey and then Jerv. Is stripping an art? And if so, why? Absolutely, it is an art. So me, I've never stripped before, but I have go-go danced in nightclubs in Vegas in particular uh, for 10 years. And it it is an art to perform for strangers, to always be on as far as your sex appeal, your body, your hair, your makeup, the costumes. It really is putting on a show. And it takes a special person to be able to do that. Now, you have different levels. Like, you got the OG, like Mercedes, who's going to come in and she's doing the pole tricks, which working a pole, period, takes an amount of strength that you cannot imagine. It is a full body workout. So you have the girls who can go up there and put on a show on the pole. You have girls who have a crazy talk game who can talk someone out of their money. You have the girls who can... All they have to do is just walk by and you're like, damn, like, I need that. Like, there are levels to the art of stripping and being a dancer and then adding on being an exotic dancer where you're, you know, showing your body. Yes, it it takes talent. That is an art. Follow up question. Follow up question. Talent and art are not the same, by the way. I just want to point that out. (laughs) Something could be hard and require talent and it's not quite an art. Uh, but I want to follow up question for you because you mentioned maintaining the sex appeal. 
beyond the mechanics of what you're doing in your job, either as a go-go dancer or for those women who are who are exotic dancers, beyond the actual mechanics of, you know, dancing and grabbing the pole and do whatever whatever it is that you do, is there an effort level that you have to put in to remain quote unquote sexy? Absolutely. Like I'm a different person when I'm dancing than when I'm not. Like it takes a it's almost like an alter ego that comes out. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who that girl is. I I haven't given her a name, but it's not Bethany. (laughs) It's Mm. somebody else that comes up there and takes over. Um, Me and my uh, coworkers, we have what we call go-go juice. So we'll, you know, have a little drink in the, in the dressing room and kind of help us turn up. We have music playing that kind of gets us in the mood to be able to go out and perform for, you know, Really drunk Strangers. people, disrespectful people. Like you just never know what you're going to get. So yeah, it's that's why I say it's an art because you never know what you're walking into. It's, I I would compare it to like theater because every crowd is different every night. So yeah, I I I'm sorry. I think it's an art for sure. Trey is stripping an art, and if so, why? And if not, why not? Definitely art. I, my, my my skinny ass can't climb up no damn pole all the way up to no fucking ceiling. So, but that's not, listen, but that's not, but that's not. All, no, but, no, no. But, but I'm a saying that between, to like, be able to have that core strength, to be able to like twirl and do everything and 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 and, and manipulate your body to the music and, and and match it that way. Yeah, hands down, hands down. That's an art. I got so much respect for it. I, I, I'm, see, that's why I'm, I'm not asking about respect for it because I, obviously it no, is No, but hard. I'm just saying I'm it's not an saying, art. Like, it's, it's not, if it but was what part easy. Of it is art, like, what part of it is art, I guess, is my the question. Dance, like, what part of what you, what you just described? The seduction, the performance, and everything. Like, you have to they look at it. about to cancel and, my ass. <laughs> oh, God. You're just going to throw a stiletto at you. You're ass. just like, you're, you're the devil's advocate. I like asking questions. I don't like devil's I like advocate. asking questions. I don't like Devil Advocate. I love it. But all I'm saying is movie. the shit is art. I fuck with the vibes. You know what I mean? Shorties, go ahead. On, listen, I, like, I, like I told my homegirls, hey, let the women have fun, bro. That's it. That's it. Just let them have fun. Let them only fans. Let them strip. Let yeah, them get yeah. flown out. Mind you, listen, because, hey, as Miss Tabitha every- Brown would say, that's my business. <laughs> to, to every to every woman who is a uh, is a stripper, an exotic dancer, or whatever it is, if you ever get tired and you're fatigued, and you're like, man, I just need a break, a breather, but I can't go to the back. Just look for Trey; he's here for good conversation. Hey, Dirt. I might even put you to college too, baby. Just playing. <laughs> Dirt, Dirt. My frugal <laughs> ass. That should not happening. <laughs> Yeah, you might, might get some books out of it. That's about <laughs> it. <laughs> My favorite, a meal plan. <laughs> a meal plan. Yo, Jerv, is stripping an art? If so, why? If not, why not? So I, I 100%, uh, percent, 100% think it's an art. Um, I'm in Philly as a kid, like under 18. Yeah, like that's all we, you know, it was, it was the easiest things to get into when you're underage, right? Um, so I've seen it all. I've seen every person that, uh, be described. I've seen every, you know, mode, the, the people that can talk you out of, you know, talk you out of money that can, you know, I, I've seen it all. Right. So it really is a performance. And then being that you can, like, I've seen these people just randomly in the middle of the street and they're, it's a completely different person. So for me, it's 100% of art. 
um, cause you're performing, you're, you, you know, nine times out of 10, the person's becoming some, uh, like, she's, like B said, an alter ego and you're up there performing for the, the drunkest person in the, in the room that's annoying the fuck out of you. Um, and you know, I do think it is an art also with that shit on the, that shit on the pole where Mercedes went up upside down. And like, I saw that shit for the first time in magic city, I think in Atlanta, when I went to Atlanta, I had a whole nother perspective on it. It's like, fuck it's like you've never been to a strip club if you haven't been to like the ogs in atlanta when i went there i saw stuff that i've never seen before just on a performance level as far as the tricks and all that stuff man and to me like yeah the hell yeah that's an, it, it, it's skill you have to have some sort of talent and be and and love this craft of yours and they to do that type stuff amen yes. uh <laughs> that, that was the kind of the level of amen. depth i was looking for trey uh, real quick, I want to ask one more question. Uh, you know, like we did on Insecure, we had predictions and all that. So, watching this show, obviously, Autumn Night has, or Haley, or whatever we want to call. I guess call her Autumn Night. It's easier to remember. It's um, poetic. She's got a, she's got a. It's a poetic and shit. <laughs> I, I did like that. How everyone kept saying, "Oh, it's called like poetic and shit." Uh, she's got a past. We know that there's some domestic violence in there and we know there may be some hurricane kind of like lost everything in a hurricane. And we know she, she's got a kid cause she got a C-section scar. What do we think? What are some predictions about who autumn night is like what her past was? I believe that whoever she was in a relationship with, she killed this man and she is on the run. So her real mm. true identity cannot be revealed because she could be responsible for, for the death of this person. And I, like I also it. think that she lost her daughter in the flood. So I feel like she lost now, that, everything and she's literally starting yeah, from the bottom. That's the one I had. I had the child died and whatever the flood was, I didn't have her killing the dude. That probably makes a lot of sense why she's on the run. Trey, what, what predictions do you have? Um, so I agree with everything B said, um, but I'm going to go left field. I think that Lil Murder going to be more in the club, helping the club. I feel like Andre and, uh, Shorty, whatever her name is, Autumn Night, Night. Autumn Night, Autumn Night. they going to, they going to work. She going to be able to find a way to finesse him, but then also get in good with him and they going to get something going. Um, Mercedes not going to retire. I think she there for the long term. Yeah. And then, yeah. Um, you know, uh, Autumn Night is going to have a bigger role to save the club. But uh, Uncle Clifford. Cliff. Uncle Clifford, Uncle Clifford going to be janky and shady and start fucking them over money. Going to be? I feel like he's already been kind of, kind of, kind of weird with the dough already. The first two episodes. No, um, but he, but he has a straight loyalty to you know to to some. Like, you know, so we, didn't even, we didn't even mention the the, the 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 mother of a pimp in the in the church. But you know, I'll be for another time for next week. She. What you got? Um, for me, I I'm I'm would be as far as um I think she killed old boy. Um, I don't think her daughter died. I think. For some reason, I felt like her daughter was on that bus, um, on the you know, and she left her. I don't know why I think mm -hmm. that, but I just do. Um, I do think that 
she's going to eventually I feel like the the dude that she killed her you know her 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 guy or whatever I think he's probably because this is a show he's probably connected or some shit so there will be some people coming from home that will eventually you know find her you know they'll they'll you know how they're doing movies or shows they they randomly just go into this one strip club and somebody goes hey hey, hey, hey ain't that, ain't that- you know? yeah so that'll happen and then that'll be when uh uncle clifford which is, i just want to call him cliff but uncle clifford um <laughs> he'll show his um he is a shady character, but at the same time, he will show that he does love them all, like as if they were his own. And that's when the girls will, will arrive for her, and that will be how she becomes the new Mercedes, and then her, her Mercedes will just beef it out until this show is over. <laughs> Jer, Jer mapped out the whole—you really are into this show. Yeah, bro, it's a good show. <laughs> uh, uh, B, real quick, you got the, the, the clothing line behind you. Promo. Um, my swimsuit line is called Bikini Honey. You can find us on Instagram at bikini.honey and of course online at bikinihoney.com. So I got it. Is. It's lit. It's my Juneteenth baby. I launched it Juneteenth <laughs> last year and black owned, black woman owned, and super fast shifting. <laughs> support there the real. Go. go out and support the real. Like, like Trey's shirt says, support your homies. And if you listen to us, hey. we are your homies. Support us. Support. So thank you so much, B. We'll talk to you next Monday. Thank and you. And we'll see some of these predictions. Maybe they're going to come true. All right. The moment everyone's been waiting for. NBA Bubble Life. It's a Twitter account. It reached 100,000 followers in the span of about three or four days. Uh, everyone's following. Players are, are, are you know, are, are hopping into the, the mentions. They're sending clips. They're tagging NBA Bubble Life. With all of these uh, videos of shotgun and beers and fishing and all these activities are happening inside the bubble. Without further ado, man, we are going to reveal right here the world premiere, world, world premiere of NBA Bubble Life, the identities. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the creators of that NBA Bubble Life, Mr. Drew Ruiz. And Mr. Black Trey. That's right, bitches. We had an inside scoop the whole time. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Yo. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Oh, Derv, you didn't know? I didn't know. He wouldn't tell me. He told me he, he, he treated me like I was he treated me like I'm a fuck. I'm, yeah, he treat he treated me. That's all I'm saying. Say, oh, you're gonna wait till you hear this shit. <laughs> Yo, Jerv. <laughs> That's what you get for hating on life, Jerv. That's uh, out the bag. That's out the bag. Yeah. Yo, so let me ask, Drew, let me ask you this. How hard was it to keep a secret? Oh, man. It was, it was crazy because it was like so many people posting it, sending, you know, sending me texts like, yo, you follow this account on Twitter. I'm kind of, yeah, like, man, they're funny. Like, you know, but deep down inside, I was like, this is really me that's posting all that. Um, so it was, it was, it was crazy to really keep that secret, but I think we, we kept it, you know, long enough. Trey, you and I have had a conversation before about back in the day, you and Brandon Jennings swapped Twitter accounts. Mm-hmm. Like you basically assumed his followers and he assumed yours. And I told you that I could tell immediately that's not Brandon. Mm-hmm. This dude's tweeting like I knew immediately it was you. So you got a distinctive Twitter style. How hard was it for you to hide, to disguise, so that people wouldn't read the tweets and be like, oh, that's Trey? 
Um, well, how, how it pretty much worked, we embodied Drew's tweet style. Like we just came to the agreement, like this is our kid brother. We're going to let him rock. You know what I mean? And, and however he goes, we're just going to go with it. So after that, we, I think the success, because it's two other people that are on the call. Um, we just went with it eagleless. Can we say their name? Absolutely. We can say their name. Yeah. Like the other two members of NBA Bubble Life are Nick DePaula. Yes, that Nick DePaula from ESPN, the sneaker expert. And Wells P, the international man of mystery. We don't know what he does, <laughs> but we just uh, know he, he pops up at the Jordan camp. And, 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 and he also, rich. you know, yeah, and he applies a PJ only, according to Nate Jones <laughs> uh, from Goo Sports. Um, so, so, yeah, so that's the four of y'all. Y'all are doing this. Um, what were some of, because like you said, Drew, people would send you guys, oh, you see this, this, and you'd say it's mad funny. What were some of the wildest conspiracy theories you heard about who it really is? Um, I mean, people were saying it was star players. It was someone at the team. It was like other media personalities. Um, and it was just funny because I don't think people knew who exactly, like, oh, you guys are capable of doing that. Like, I don't think people would expect it all four of us, you know, especially my man right here, keeps shaking his head, um, you know, expected, <laughs> expected it to be Trey. So I think just being anonymous with it was cool. Well, first of all, I feel I am shocked. I'm low key. I'm low key appalled, but I'll say that for offline. Um, I, like, so I have a beef with y'all now that I know who it is. Why, like, why is there no like Sixers content? on the bubble life like they're there it is. <laughs> i mean it is it's plenty of Sixers oh, okay. count. it's a count the thing is yeah. this is the thing i think the hardest part that people don't understand is having to be nice to everybody that's the thing yeah we don't post anything negative so think about that if you really thought a player that you don't really like you really have to like come up with these captions and make it really nice and that's the thing like that's the most underrated part is coming up with the caption on the fly because we did think about that. I don't know how many tweets we have, but that's coming from the brain of us. You know what I mean? Like, and you have to hit every time. You can't have no duds. And we haven't had any duds. Our duds is like 2,000 views. You know so what I'm saying? You're implying, yeah. So you're implying that if you gave the Sixers more love, it would be more duds? I'm, no. I'm not following. No, it's bubble. not that. Oh, I think right. it's based they off put, the, They put Matisse... Yeah, oh, yeah, Matisse, Matisse Block, he's like leading the thing. I think you don't just rock with it like that. Or you ain't really oh, no, nah, I mean, I, I was, I was going to say that, but, you know, I was, I, that was, I was saving that one. So, I mean, I'm going to give hey, a little Dirk. backstory a little bit. Um, <laughs> and this is, this is why Nick's role was so important. Nick sends the text at 10.07 p.m. on Thursday night. Now, we've only – we ain't been two weeks yet. So, again – he sends it on Thursday, says, you know, hey, Drew, you should uh you should we you should run the Bubble Life account. And Drew really kind of wasn't like enthused yet. Cause it was kind of like, I already got some other shit going, which he has another account that he runs. So it's kind of time consuming. Well, we're sitting there and we're kind of thinking about it, and then we see J.R. Smith post, he goes live. And I'm like, this shit is gold. We are all laughing anyway, and this is some shit that we would normally do anyway. But <laughs> We, right. we, we, we asked Wells. Wells, go check and see if NBA Bubble Life is available. Wells goes finds NBA Bubble Life 8. <laughs> We're like, no. <laughs> NBA Bubble Life, bro. He said, oh, tell my me, bad. Tell it, me that. Tell me that. Hold on. Hold on. Tell me that's not. Tell me. 
Tell me there's there's a reason beyond Kobe Bryant. I wanted I'm, I, no. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Drew. Go ahead. I mean, I'm gonna give Wells the benefit of the doubt and just say like <laughs> Twitter gave the pre-made name because it was like Bubble Life Eight, and I was like, what is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven? Are those taken or is Bubble Life like what? What's the what's the thought process on eight? So everybody was roasting them like, oh, Wells, you know, your Kobe side, your Laker fan fandom is showing, and I was just like. You know, it gave Wells a pre-made name. Yeah. So <laughs> we get the first post up at 10.56 p.m., and that was our standard for every night. Where are we at at 10.56 p.m. every night? So <laughs> as we're sitting there, we got some buddies, and, you know, I had let you in, I mean, and a few other people. People were like, yo, you might can get 50000 Just Jerry's disappointed. Um, and it's like yo you might get 50,000 we're not really sweating it because we weren't really we didn't have a target this shit just started growing like crazy right so now I'm getting people like send like like Drew said people are sending us shit like hey did you see this and I'm like kind of annoyed because I'm like nigga it's me like or it's Drew or whoever it is but like what am I really supposed to do um but we kind of knew the post Drew had been doing social with slam and I you know obviously I've been on Twitter since 09 I used to delete my accounts and grow them back um, but having a post with that and, you know, I think the most impressive thing that a lot of people don't understand, we like, for example, for default, Dragonfly Jones been on Twitter since 09. Now he has over a hundred thousand followers, but that's 11 years. Right. We grew this account in less than 10 days. You get right. what I'm saying? To reach a hundred thousand followers and it's still growing. Right. Like as we speak, it's just the benches are going crazy. You know what I mean? And then we're like, okay. We, we got Twitter on lock. Let's go to IG. So we do the IG. We didn't even have the right name. What was the name, Drew? We had like Bubble Life NBA or something. So listen, we had haters. We had, <laughs> we had like actually competition that had Bubble right. Life content and they just bowed out. So the dude that actually owned NBA Bubble Life DM'd us and was like, big fan. You can have the name. I said, oh, that's so player. Yeah. Wow, and that's rare because nobody cool. people yeah. are normally trying to sell no it to you. That. So I wouldn't have done that. So whoever that guy is, shout outs to him. Um, and then as that. our success was growing with that, because we were like, okay, we on IG, let's get 10k so we can get the swipe up. Cool, right? The next thing we're in day three. I'm like, let's start a WNBA bubble life. So we started Y'all are WNBA, we WNBA bubble life too. WNBA oh. bubble life too. So we wanted to put a positive light on women's basketball and obviously you know most the trolls on on uh twitter always tell the women players to go to the kitchen and they can't even guard them they can't even score on them and we wanted to highlight the positive parts uh in the in their wobble they call it the wobble um wobble yeah yeah so you know kind of and 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 that's been a personal goal to grow that and that's been picking up good steam too but uh this whole phenomenon in 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 general has just gotten crazy i think i think our our favorite parts are the dms we get because it's people yeah. that when they actually find out who we are, I'm I'm waiting on the reaction. Either they're gonna be like, "Yay, I don't really fuck with those dudes," <laughs> or I'm embarrassed that I even like. Because there are people like literally like, "Yo, can I get a story?" And we're like, "Wait, what?" All right, yeah. like you know what I mean. Well, you guys, when by the time this pod drops, you guys have already done a bunch of interviews. What what are some of the outlets you you guys have talked to? You can tell Drew. Uh, yesterday we talked to the New York Times. Um, supposed to do LA Times, Athletic, Forbes, Complex Sports, um, Complex Sports, and Sports Illustrated. Um, 
Yeah, Sports Illustrated just hit us today. So I think those are probably and then whoever whoever else tell you the truth. That's dope, man. It's it's crazy that <laughs> something that's just an idea among friends could turn into yeah, like it, was, it, it literally was just like a group chat kind of conversation. And the thing is, is that we would have been looking at the content anyway. So that's why it's right. not even a thing. But I think the miracle maker and, and what wows people is we work in shifts. So if Drew has to go like do something, I'll take over. If, you know, Drew's like, oh, I'm back. So now I get a little break. Drew might wake up at six. I might be up at 3 a.m. looking at content and we can just kind of pull, you know what I mean? But we've spearheaded it pretty pretty good you know what i mean to go about that way and really get yeah, head look, on the look on jerv's face man <laughs> he's so <laughs> disgusted right now my guy keeps shaking his head <laughs> nah it's, it's dope it's, it's, it's dope i appreciate it because i mean shit is all in one all in one place is there like do y'all ever have because i mean i'm sure there's stuff I, I mean i'm not seeing everything i naturally like how hard does it decide to like, nah, we can't do that. Or, or is there stuff that we can't, that you guys just say no to as far as like the, the content that those dudes are putting out or y'all haven't really crossed that yet. I think it's a very low percentage. And when we do discuss, like, again, I'll say, Drew, what do you think about this? Drew comes up with a caption and we'll just thumbs up with the, the emphasis on the like. And it's easy because once we get those four thumbs, it's like, I right, fire that up. Or no, we don't feel like, yeah. or we feel like it's a moment that we need to seize and Drew sleep. Now I don't want to overstep it and be like, should I post this? But he trusts me enough right. to be like, I right, go for it, and I trust him too. What time? I mean, I, answer this as delicately as you want to answer it. What is the type of content that doesn't make the cut? Crazy, um, heavy profanity. Um, Something that just really embarrasses somebody really bad. You know what I mean? Because that's the thing. We didn't even mention the shotgun challenge. You know what I'm saying? Which has been coming up, become a phenomenon right. <laughs> on the internet. Um, <laughs> and that's pretty nuts. And, and Drew can give you the backstory on that because that was his doing. Um, but yeah, the, the, the con, the, basically just not to get the NBA involved and have them come shut down social shit for them. That's what we try to do. Not highlight that stuff. Drew, Drew, so shot, the shotgun challenge was your idea? Yeah. Uh, JJ was out on the course, and I guess it was him and Josh Hart, and he posted a picture of a water fountain, and it was, it was like, closed. So he had a Bud Light next to him, and he was like, uh, option B, or so this is option B on the course today. And I just saw it, and I was just kind of like, I guess, you know, wanted to capitalize on that moment. So I was like, yo, JJ, how many retweets for you to shotgun a beer? So he had, he had been following us. So he responds and was like, well, if you get 10K by 5 p.m. tomorrow, I'll go ahead and do it. So it was kind of like 10K. Like, that's that's easy. I thought he was going to say something like 50K, you know, okay. maybe 30K. But 10K, it was like, oh, bro, this, this is walking apart for us, to tell you the truth. So we got it. And then he ends up posting it. And then Myers Leonard comes in and was like, well, if I get 10,000 retweets, out shotgun of beer of my own so then i think that one was short though probably like short like 3k but you know myers is myers a white boy from the six so you know (laughs) i don't think he's ever gonna turn down a shotgun uh fade so he posts his i'm the king of the nba bubble shotgun and then jordan clarkson was like oh yeah bet like so then him and royce o'neill and it was just like kind of like a snowball effect and then you 
We didn't even mention the uh, dimensions because we got random people just yeah. showing us their shotgun videos. Like, and we're like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what are we supposed to do with this? Like, I don't. It was thanks. funny, bro. It, so, 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 so between, between I'm guessing it's between one of these two guys, either Myers or JJ, who has been the NBA player who's most supportive of NBA, NBA Bubble, Bubble Life Twitter, Twitter account? Just in terms of engaging all the time and retweeting and things like that. I think. Or is there is there someone else? Maybe I'm I'm not. For between I would those say two, it's a fair amount. Yeah, I would say it's a fair amount. But Myers is more so like he'll tag us on a on a constant. He'll you know we'll engage back and forth. He'll like tweets and stuff like that. So it's cool. And then we just got That's the pub from JJ because JJ just went on his pod. Yeah. He has a pod. No. Even though he said the name wrong, but it's cool. Nah. <laughs> and then I know I know everybody lost it watching TNT and our our answer not like really giving them anything, and we only told them that it was raw talent fam. <laughs> <laughs> that was yo that was that was great man all right well with them man, at nba bubble life they're still continuing the content just because you know who they are doesn't mean it's any less like important or funny or interesting so keep following keep sharing keep liking the videos all the all the social platforms at nba bubble life that's going to do it for the show today. Uh, I hope you guys really enjoyed what we had going on. We're trying to do big things, more clips out there, better guests, bigger exclusives like NBA Bubble Life. We're going to try and keep doing this for the show, so keep supporting us. Thank you once again. This has been Black Opinions Matter. Motherfucker for John Gervais, Black Trey. I'm Amino Hassan, Rob Lopez on production. Our guest, Drew Ruiz, uh, B, Bethany, and, of course, Carrie Champion. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.